Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. So this is going to be episode 91. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 91. We are now in the fifth week of Lent, and today we're going to do the readings for Monday, the fifth week of Lent. So if you like what I do, please subscribe and share to my podcast. It'll be a great help, and it would also help my podcast grow. Please share it with your friends and tell your friends about it and please subscribe and share. So let's begin with the prayer of the act of contrition. Please join me in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Guardian of the Holy Church, Guardian of Families, Terror of Demons, pray for us. Saint Peter the Apostle, pray for us. St. Paul the Apostle, pray for us. St. John the Apostle, pray for us. St. Mary Magdalene, pray for us. St. Athanasius, pray for us. St. Ambrose, pray for us. St. Augustine, pray for us. And I'm going to put in St. Monica, pray for us. And St. Jerome, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. St. Thomas More, pray for us. St. John Fisher, pray for us. And St. Francis of Assisi, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us from evil and pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I hope I didn't forget any of my favorite saints. Okay. So we're moving along. <clears throat> we're moving along in uh, Lent, the weeks. Okay. And let's see. The entrance antiphon for today is um, Psalm 56. Have mercy on me, O God, for people assail me. They fight me all day long and oppress me. Have mercy on me, O God, for people assail me. They fight me all day long and oppress me. Amen. Uh, on a personal note, um, you know what's interesting? I have some friends. I have a friend named Barbara. Uh, she's retired. And she, she often says that growing up, she doesn't remember people... Uh, like reading the Bible, being told to read your Bible. She's talking about the culture of the 50s and going into the 60s as they were slowly going into Vatican II and all the changes took place. 
And that's very sad. And that's very sad. And I think uh, one of the things we notice, um, like when you look at the new missile, which is what, what I have here in front of me, the daily missile the for the Novus Ordo, um, you see how it's loaded with scripture. It's loaded with passages of scripture. But sadly, um, like even when I talked to my mom, my mom who was a who herself was baptized Catholic but came from a mixed marriage. Uh, her father uh, was Muslim, her mother was Catholic, but they um, two different cultures that came together. And she was raised, but she was sent to public school, but she had family members on her mom's side that were Catholic, that were, um, you know, but they didn't really live the faith. I mean, I'm trying to put the dots together, compare, um, compare to the, the way they, the way they, you know, the, they were culturally Catholic, culturally Catholic. Even though you had someone like Fulton Sheen back then appearing on TV and, uh, excuse me, uh, life is worth living, which was with Fulton Sheen hour. They, they didn't, for some reason, they didn't, uh, they weren't encouraged to read the scriptures. And back then in the fifties and in the sixties, you had Billy Graham, a Protestant, a Baptist evangelical who preached and spoke about the Bible. But for some reason, um, I don't know why within Catholic culture, maybe because they felt very secure in the fact that very secure in the fact that they're, that they were the one true faith, but they didn't really believe that people would stray away. Maybe because they felt that they were, they, they had the church, they had the priesthood. They, uh, I don't know, maybe because of the, the fact that they had the best the best schools, the best um, universities, why would people stray away that there's no, maybe they felt that people had no reason to feel inferior, but there was, there was an inferiority complex. They, maybe they believed that they weren't looked on as American. Maybe that was it, but it was definitely hubris because you could know the prayers, you could know your sacraments, you could know uh, uh, how to pray in Latin, you could you could know the rosary. Um, but the problem I think is is that you could you could know all those things. You could be well catechized. You could say the Our Father in Latin. You could say the Hail Mary in Latin. You could know all the proper responses and rubrics, uh, you know, before the reform, everything. Guess what? You could still be empty of the love for God. You could still be empty for the love of God. And that's, and I think there could be, and you could still be ignorant about God because you really have to really, um, know the faith. I mean, I, I personally think that like what the catechism says that it says that it always feeds the faithful, both the sacrament, the body and blood of Christ 
and the word of God from the same altar. And that's what it needs. You really should. You shouldn't just go to church to hear the Bible being being read to you, being the scripture passages being read to you. But guess what? How often have we gone to mass lately? And we could hear all the scripture passages on Sunday being read to us. You could hear the the passages from first uh, from the from the Old Testament. You could hear the Psalm. You could hear the second reading, which could be from uh, from the uh, epistles or writings of St. Paul, or one of them, or even the book of Revelation. And then you have the, 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 the gospel read to you. And how often have we heard a homily or a sermon coming from a priest from right from up there uh, at the, uh, the podium, and he doesn't even make a single reference to the scripture passages? How often have we done that? How often had the sermon had nothing to do with the scripture passages at all? We've had that tons of times where they talk about, they go into their little philosophy or their little psychology thing or their little, little empty, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, reflections about something. They don't go into it. I mean, a lot of times I don't even think they even bother to prepare themselves. You know, it's, it, you know, last week, at least the Monsignor had the decency to, to reflect on the Ten Commandments. He had the decency to reflect on the Ten Commandments. And that was, I felt decent of him. It was at least an, it, it, it was, it was an important moment where he focused on a passage of scripture that we hardly ever talk about. And that's the problem. A lot of these guys don't do it. Anyway, I'm going off. We should go into the to the, uh, the scripture reading. So let's begin. Okay. So uh, today for this fifth sun, uh, fifth uh, Monday, ironically, this is on a Monday, not a Sunday, a Monday. I almost thought it was Sunday. You know, they're not going to read it. You know, they're not going to read this. It's uh, from the book of Daniel. It's a story we hardly ever hear about, hardly ever hear about. And I really want to see if these guys are going to do it. I don't believe they're going to read it. It's the, from the book of Daniel. All right. It's from chapter, I think it's chapter 13. It says chapter 13. It should be earlier in Daniel's career uh, years. This is from about Susanna and the elders. So a reading from the book of the prophet Daniel, chapter 13, verse 1 to 9, 9 to 15. 15 to 17, 19 to 30, 33 to 62. And then it goes on, uh, you know, there's a long form and a short form. It, 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 it really should be read the whole thing because people don't ever get a chance to hear this. I think Catholics don't even know it's in it. You'll find it. This is only found in the Catholic version of Daniel, not in the Protestant version because it's omitted. You'll find it in the Church of England. Maybe you might find it in an old King James version where they put it between the Old and New Testament. It's one of the, a very important one. This is like sort of Daniel as a boy sort of speaking out and revealing. Uh, this is a, an attempt of, of a rape of a young woman named Susanna. Okay, here I am about to die, though I have done none of the things charged against me. A reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. In Babylon, there lived a man named Joachim 
who married a very beautiful and God-fearing woman, Susanna, the daughter of Hilikai. Her pious parents had trained their daughter according to the law of Moses. Joachim was, a, was very rich and had a garden near his house. And the Jews had recourse to him often because he was the most respected of, of them all. That year, two elders of the people were appointed judges, judges, of whom the Lord said, Wickedness has come out of Babylon, from the elders who were to govern the people as judges. These men, to whom all brought their cases, frequent, frequented the house of Joachim. When the people left at noon, Susanna used to enter her husband's garden for a walk. When the old men saw her enter every day for her walk, they began to lust for her. They suppressed their conscience, uh, their consciousness. They would not allow their eyes to look to heaven, and did not, did not keep in mind just judgments. One day, while they were waiting for the right moment. She entered the garden as usual with two maids only. She decided to go, she decided to, to bathe, for the weather was warm. Nobody else was there except the two elders who had hidden themselves and were watching her. Bring me oil and soap, she said to the maids, and shut the garden door while I bathe. As soon as the maids had left, the two old men got up and hurried to her. Look, they said, the garden doors are shut, and no one can see us. Given in to our desire and lie with us. If you refuse, we will testify against you that you dismissed your maids because a young man was here with you. I am completely trapped, Susanna groaned. If I yield, it will be my death. If I refuse, I cannot escape your power. Yet it is better for me to fall into your power without guilt than to sin before the Lord. Then Susanna shrieked, and the old men also shouted at her as one of them ran to open the garden doors. When the people in the house heard the cries from the garden, they rushed in by the side gate to see what had happened to her. At, at the accusations by the old men, the servants felt very much ashamed, for never had any such thing been said about Susanna. When the people came to her husband, Joachim, the next day, the two wicked elders also came, fully determined to put Susanna to death. Before all the people, they ordered, Send for Susanna, the daughter of Helikai, the wife of Joachim. When she was sent, sent for, she came with her parents, children, and all her relatives. All her relatives... And the onlookers were weeping. In the midst of the people, the two elders rose up and laid their hands on her, on her head. Through tears she looked up to heaven, for she trusted in the Lord wholeheartedly. The elders made their accusations. As, were, as we were walking in the garden alone, this woman entered with two girls and shut the doors of the garden, dismissing the girls. A young man who was hidden there came and lay with her. When we, when we in a corner of the garden saw this crime, we ran towards them. We saw them lying together, 
but the man we could not hold because he was stronger than we. He opened the doors and ran off. Then we seized her and asked for the young man, who the young man was, but she refused to tell us. We testified to this. The assembly believed them since they were elders and judges of the people, and they condemned Susanna to death. But Susanna cried out loud, O oh, eternal God, you know what is hidden and, and are aware of all things before they come to be. You know that they, were, that they have testified falsely against me. Here, I'm, uh, here I am about to die, though I have done none of the things with which these wicked men have charged me. The Lord heard her prayers as she was being led, led to the execution. God stirred up the Holy Spirit of a young boy named Daniel, and he cried out loud, I will have no part in the death of this woman. All the people turned and asked him, What is this you are saying? He stood in their midst and continued, Are you such fools, O children of Israel, to condemn a woman of Israel without examination and without clear evidence return to court for they have testified falsely against her then all the people returned in haste to daniel the elders said come sit with us and inform us since god has given you the prestige of old age but he replied separate these two far from each other that i may examine them after they were separated one uh, one from the other he called he called one of them and said have you have you how you have grown evil with age now have your past sins come to terms passing unjust sentence condemning the innocent and freeing the guilty although the lord says the innocent and the just you shall not put, put to death now then, if you were a witness, tell me under what tree you saw them together. Under a mystic tree, he answered. Daniel replied, your fine lie has cost you your head, for the angel of God shall receive the sentence from him and split you in two. Putting him to one side, he ordered the other one to be brought. Daniel said to him, offspring of Canaan, not of Judah. Beauty has seduced you. Lust has subverted your conscience. This is how you acted with the daughters of Israel. In their fear, they yielded to you. But a daughter of Judah did not tolerate your wickedness. Now then, tell me, under what tree you, su you surprised them together? Under an oak, he said. Daniel replied, your, your fine lie has cost you also your head. For the angel of God waits with a sword to cut you in two, so as to make an end of you both. The whole assembly cried out loud, Blessing, blessing God, who saves those who hope, who hope in him. They rose up against the two elders, for by their own words Daniel had convicted them of perjury. According to the law of Moses, they inflicted on them the penalty they had plotted to impose on their neighbor. They put them to death. Thus was innocent blood spared that day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so now the response psalm is Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd psalm. 
So let's begin. The response from you is, even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In vernon pastures he gives me repose. Beside restful waters he leads me. He refreshes my soul. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. He guides me in the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I, f I fear no evil, for you are at my side. With your rod and your staff, that gives me courage. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. For you are at my side. You spread the table before me in, in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. Okay, let's read it straight through. All right. Uh, even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In vernon pastures he gives me repose. Beside restful waters he leads me. He refreshes my soul. He guides me in the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. With your rod and your staff, that gives me courage. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. Okay, the verse before the gospel, it's from Ezekiel chapter 33, 11. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked man, says the Lord, but rather in his conversion that he may live. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked man, says the Lord, but rather in his conversion, that he may live. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 8, 1 to 11. Let the person without sin be the first to throw a stone. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area. And all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this to test him, so they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he bent down and wrote on the ground. 
and in response they went away one by one beginning with the elders so he was left alone with the woman before him then jesus straightened up and said to her woman woman where are they has anyone condemned you she replied no one sir then jesus said neither do i condemn you go from now on and do not sin any more the word of the lord thanks be to god praise to you lord jesus christ uh then there's a here in there's another passage here this is from john chapter 8 verse 12 to 20 it's an alternative but i'm going to read it anyway chapter 8 verse 12 to 20 i am the light of the world a reading from the holy gospel according to saint john jesus spoke to them again saying i am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life so the pharisee said to him you testify on your own behalf so your testimony cannot be verified jesus answered and said to them even if i do testify on my own behalf my testimony can be verified because i know where i come from and where i am going where i am going but you do not know where i come from or where i am going you judge by appearances but i do not judge anyone and even if i should judge my judgment is valid because I am not alone. But it is I and the Father who, who sent me. Even in your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men can be... Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two men can be verified. I testify on my behalf, and so does the Father who sent me. So they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the treasury in the temple area, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. All right. Let me read this. Yeah. It's basically the same chapter but broken up so i'm going to read it again straight through a reading from the holy gospel according to saint john jesus went to the mount of olives but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area and all the people started coming to him and he sat down and he taught them then the scribes and the pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law of Moses, in the law of Moses commanded us to, set, to, set, to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this to test him so they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he bent down and wrote on the ground, and in response they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has anyone condemned you?
She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go from now on. Do not sin anymore. Okay, continuing. Uh, this is uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12 to 20, the other half of it. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You testify on your own behalf, so your testimony cannot be verified. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I do testify on my own behalf, my testimony can be verified because I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by appearances, but I do not judge anyone. And even if I, if I should judge, uh, if I should judge, uh, sorry, if, even if even if I should judge, my judgment is valid because I am not alone, but it is I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two men can be verified. I testify on my behalf, and so does the Father who sent me. So they said to him. Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the treasury in the temple area, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. The gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, it's a long one. And this is a very important one, definitely very important. You can see the connection between Susanna and the elders. And the other half, uh, I think, shows, reveals to us him being the light and the darkness being in these men. Because just like the elders were uh, who uh, tried to rape Susanna, these men, most likely the woman was quote in the act of, of adultery but where is the man she committed adultery with again we don't know what situation but notice jesus himself just simply said woman can go and sin no more he didn't bother to ask her details he didn't bother to ask her details and that's important i think okay okay so the first reading is from daniel it's from Daniel, and unfortunately, I don't think a lot of Catholics are very familiar with it. Uh, you'll see paintings of Susanna and the elders uh, if you go to a museum uh, when they have some classical Renaissance art. or um, You'll see it. You'll probably see illustrations. And it's, um, it's a beautiful story. It's a very important story. I think it's a revealing story of uh, abuse of power abuse of authority, uh, uh, sexual abuse, um, advantages uh, people with religious authority and power and, and political authority have power over people, um, you know, oppression of women, um, especially in, in a Middle Eastern society where they have very little voices and they have more or no voices to be accurate, to speak up. But it shows an important... Um, that there was an awareness of, of uh, what do you call, abuse of authority, abuse of power uh, in, this, in this case. And I think it also speaks to us today, especially things, the scandals happening in the church with our 
religious leaders and also political leaders, like we, what's happening in New York now with the governor and everything. But also, um, but you see this, again, compare it to what we read in the Gospel of John when they brought the woman caught in adultery and they, and, uh, they wanted Jesus. They, they, it was basically two parts. One is abuse against a woman, unfair judgment, even though, it, let's say, she is guilty, but let's say it, we know it most likely could be an act of desperation to, to survive. Maybe she has kids and she's forced to do this situ, uh, to, to prostitute herself. We know this is possible. I mean, think about it. It's Jerusalem and it's a big, it's a metropolitan city. It's also where the temple is, but also at the same time, there's, we know that there's a, there's a possibility of abuse of power and there's a lot of poverty. And they also want to trap Jesus because one, he can't make a capital punishment decision without the knowledge of the Romans. The Romans took capital punishment away from the Jews. In other words, they can make a judgment, but they got to get the, they got to get it passed through Roman regulations. In other words, the Romans want to have the final say in such a situation. And that's, that's, um, that's, you no, know, that's the way it was. But at the same time, it also reveals, again, the same situation that it was in the time of Daniel, because the story of Susanna and the elders took place during the time of Daniel. And Daniel got his, um, his prophetic, I guess you can say his office of being a prophet, the Holy Spirit came upon him and he was able to expose the um, contradictory details of these two men who wanted to abuse Susanna, force her into sexual submission to them. As they have done this with many women. That's the most amazing thing about Daniel. He It reveals... He exposes that the men have done this to many daughters of Israel. He calls one, O offspring of Canaan, not of Judah. Beauty has seduced you. Lust has subverted your conscience. This is how you acted with the daughters of Israel. And in their fear, they yielded to you. But a daughter of Judah did not tolerate your wickedness. Now then tell me under what tree you surprised them together. And they each one give a different tree. One says an oak. The other one says something of a mystic tree or some other tree. And then they proved that they were liars. And Daniel exposed that these men have been doing this in, 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 in situations before. I mean, the first one here. Um, he says here. Okay. After they were separated one from the other, he called one of them and said, How you have grown evil with age. Now have you now have your past sins come to term, pressing un, uh, passing under unjust sentences, condemning the innocent and freeing the guilty. Although the Lord says the innocent and the just you shall not put to death. Now then, if you were a witness, tell me under what tree you saw them together. Under a mass, a mastic tree, I'm sorry, mass, he answered. Daniel replied, your fine lie has cost you your head for the angel of God shall receive the sentence from him and split you in two. And then he 
again, we, we know about the other one. So they abuse their power. They abuse their power. And it's the same thing happening in the Gospel of John. They're abusing their power. It's a kangaroo court. It's a kangaroo court. And um, again, after that, Jesus speaks of himself. I am the light of the world. Okay. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. will have the light of life because of the fact that these people are seduced by their passions. Those are the real idols. Never mind the so-called statues. The statues are only like, are just only symbols, just like a, an eagle for the for the Romans. Romans uh, was a symbol, just like the Statue of Liberty is a symbol, or uh, uh, one of the statues of our founding fathers that we see is a symbol, or a flag. You know, in a sense, yeah. I mean, it's not the same thing, but they're symbols. But the real, real heart of it is lust of power. The fact that one feels like a god. You know, you're in office, a political office. You believe that you were blessed. You believe you got there because you are better than anybody. You are smarter than anybody. And you're more clever than anybody. And you can take your your power, your your situation, and you could like you can make people do things for you. The same thing in a sense like a political office or in a religious office. You're not there because you love God. You're not or in a political office, you're not there because you love your country. I mean, we've all heard Cuomo say America was never such a great place. All right? A lot of these figures reveal the truth about themselves. They never really believed in their country. They never really believed in their people. They never really believed in the symbol, in, 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 the, in the, the country and what it symbolized or its virtues. Even though there might be contradictory, there might be, you know, every, every country has dark times in it, has, has a dark past. Even now, what we're going through is going to be marked as a dark time. But when you have something like the church, remember, ancient Israel couldn't go the Israelites couldn't go off and start their own temple. They only had one temple. They knew that. And the same thing in the Catholic church, there's only one church and the seven sacraments are there. You can't just go and start off a whole new church with a whole new sacrament. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Jesus wants us to always be aware that there are always going to be Judases among us. And some of these men, their love is not Christ. Their love is not the gospel. Their love is power. And they use the church for their own personal means. It's abuse. And Jesus here is saying, he's saying the truth. I am the light of the world. You walk in darkness. You do not want me. I am the light. Okay. He says, this is the last part. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees said to him, you testify on your own behalf. So your testimony cannot be verified. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I do testify on my own behalf, my testimony can be verified because I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by appearances. I do not judge anyone 
And even if I should judge, my judgment is valid because I am not alone. But it is, but it is I and the Father who sent me. Even in your own law, in your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men can be verified. I testify on my behalf, and so does the Father who sent me. So they said to him, "Where is your Father?" Jesus answered, "You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also." He spoke these words while teaching at the, in the treasury in the temple area. It's very interesting that I remember it. It 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 um, specifies the area. There's, I think, more meaning to what it means by treasury. It means the treasury of the richness of the faith, the richness of God. Not so much material. Yes, for 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 the for the men who love their power. They only think of the material wealth, just like we see a lot of our clerics who are desperate for money, desperate for the, they, they look to the church for their material means. But here, I think it represents the truth of God, the graces of God, that that's the treasury for them is material earthly means. The treasury for people who seek God is that they want heaven. They want, that's the real treasury. Remember what Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there, there your heart will be. That can go two ways. It can go for, for those who, who are very materialistic. They look towards wealth and they want wealth and they want power, but for 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 someone who wants Christ you want the real treasure from heaven you want eternal salvation you want the love of god you want you want all those things that that come you want the graces you want the holy spirit you want the peace you want communion with god you want happiness you want happiness for your for, for your loved ones you want happiness for your friends you want everyone like thomas more used to say I hope we meet we hope we meet happily in heaven merrily happily I hope we're all in heaven all these things it leads people who look to material wealth it makes you darker and more more corrupt more greedy you look to the pleasures of this world we're all going to grow old everyone who's beautiful is going to lose their physical beauty Everyone who's rich, your riches may grow or you may lose your riches, but it will all fade away. And your wealth is going to be left either to the state or to your children or grandchildren who will just waste it away. You know, in Manhattan, there's what they call old money. People who whose ancestors were the Astors or the J.P. Morgans. Some of them, even people who whose families go back to the 19th century, like the Astors and J.P. Morgans and the Rockefellers. Yeah, well, they may be richer, but guess what? The more children they have, the more the money gets distributed, the lesser money there is. Not everybody's going to be the same. The Koch brothers, um, they got their wealth from their father and they may have made more money from it. But guess what? Sooner or later, I've seen people's names come down. And I've seen old names up there that are no longer part of uh, part of a, a committee. They're just gone. 
They're no longer part of it. They're gone. And it, that's what happens. It They come and they go. But some people, they look towards this world as their salvation. This is their God. That's why I'm saying pagan idols are only an outward symbol. Look to what's inward. Some people look to this world as their salvation. And they, it shows, it shows in how they treat other people. And sometimes money is not enough. Sometimes they want all the pleasures that come with money. Sometimes political po power is not enough. They want all the pleasures that come with political power. And in, 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 and what happens is it just leads to a dark path. That's why Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You know, and in the Psalm tells us the Lord is our shepherd. And we, we who look to God, that's why in the Old Testament, there's the sons of God and there's the sons of men. The sons of God are those who look towards God, who look towards the the rich, the, 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 the blessings of God, the truth of God, the honor of God, the love of God. And us people who are sons of men look to this world as their fulfillment. All right, so we'll end it here and um, we'll get back with Tuesday's readings.